Welcome everyone to Points and Penalties Podcast. It's episode uh, four, February 14th, Valentine's Day special. Uh, my name is Peter, and with me are my co-hosts, Jesse, Josh, and Kevin. And Kev, what are you drinking today? I am drinking Murphy's Law, Pepper Shine, in uh, one of my favorite glasses that I got for Christmas. It's the good old fucking Skull Caesar, boys. Nice. Yeah. Attaboy. Yeah. And Josh, what are you drinking? Uh, tonight, I'm drinking another strong beer, 6.8%. It's called Ransack the Universe. And it's from Creative Arts Brewing out of Hamilton. It's uh, it's very hoppy. My first taste uh, brought me back a little bit, but since having a few a few uh, sips, it's going down all right. Uh, Jesse, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Bone Shaker. So that was the same skull that you got there, uh, Kev. I think just came with the Bone Shaker beer, but uh, yeah, it's seven point one percent, unfiltered Indian Pale Ale, and it's Amsterdam Brewing. In Toronto. It's a potent one. Peter, what are you drinking? I'm having uh, Muskoka Brewing at Mad Tom West Coast IPA. It's a strong beer as well. Apparently, we all love the strong beers these days. It's uh, 6.4. It's not bad so far. First news in the NFL is uh, our buddy Tom Brady, the goat of goats, the champion. He's getting a bit cocky now, tossing. Lombardi trophies from one boat to another and getting himself nice and sloshed. I think he had to do that. I mean, he wasn't allowed to do that in, in New England, right? That was not, that's not on the docket in New England. So why not let loose? It's a good thing the tight end caught it, right? Yeah. Cameron Bray got it. And uh, I read somewhere that he doesn't drink during the season. So he, he's like white girl wasted on that boat. <laughs> <laughs> couple of shots that he was done tossing Lombardi trophies. Like he's got six other ones, but no one else has. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Just, just go grab the other one from my trophy case. <laughs> no, I thought it was pretty funny. He's having a good time. He's not a young man, so for him to to be having fun like that and, and you know, enjoy himself is, is good to see. Too much fun in the sun, you think? Oh, yeah. The sun had a big thing to do with that, I think, too. Yeah, but might as well. If it's, uh, you know, if you're the champion of champs, might as well celebrate. Oh, what was his name? Miller. Uh, he apparently knocked Chris Godwin's phone into the water, too, during the <laughs> during the parade. So, like, all his Super Bowl photos are on the uh, gone. So I'm, hopefully they'll throw a scuba diver in there to retrieve it and see if they can yank it off there. But maybe put it up in the cloud, you know. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Seemed like it was a, a hell of a parade, that's for sure. Hope his Find My iPhone app is turned on. <laughs> uh, let's move on to J.J. Watt being released from the Houston Texans. So that's big news in the NFL. He's played his whole career so far with the Texans, and now he's uh, been released looking, from what we understand, I think, looking to go to a winning, a winning team. And there's all kinds of possible destinations for him. First one we've heard is potentially Buffalo, which would be sweet for us Bills fans, I think. Part-time Bills fans, I know. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of be going places. to a pretty good defense there. Absolutely. Now they have Buffalo has a few questions of their own who they're re-signing, but I think he's going to be a good fit no matter where you put JJ Watt. So there's lots of places like I said, Buffalo. I mean, Green Bay, Jesse, your St. Louis Rams, the Steelers, the Browns, the Bucks, the Bears, the Chiefs. Have we heard any others? <laughs> yes, I heard Ravens. I heard like most teams probably. <laughs> he has a pick wherever he wants to go, and like you said, Yosh. I mean, wherever he goes, he's just going to make that D better. Uh, but I believe he goes home. He goes back to Green Bay, and and if he doesn't, if he wants to go to a champ, why not go to Tampa Bay? I think he's going to Pittsburgh. Yeah, Green Bay is um, over the cap right now as well. Yeah, this yeah, we're not even talking so about cap I, issues, so yeah. But like that is an issue, right? Because there's a lot of places Steelers are over the cap, Rams are over the cap. Right. Like, well, exactly. That's everyone's gonna be making a lot of cuts. For sure. Some of these teams have issues with the cap, so they do need to make that. But you know, we're just mentioning these teams that could be interested. Obviously, he wants to go to a winning team, so you know, probably the Browns are out. Uh probably the <laughs> probably the Bears. These other teams on there are winners, so most of them. 
like you said, Kev, he'll choose where he wants to go and he'll make a bunch of money doing it and he'll help that team out tremendously. Yeah. Jesse, where do you think he goes? Well, I think the Steelers for sure, but um, Green Bay probably more most likely as well because he's a Wisconsin kid. I think you have to involve the cap though here because you're saying he's going to make a bunch of money. I don't think he's, a lot of free agents are going to make a bunch of money this year because the cap's coming down everywhere and a lot of these guys are over. So it'll be pretty interesting to see where he lands because I'm sure he's taking a huge pay cut to go to one of these places, but still, they still have to make them because all these top teams are over the cap right now. Fair enough. Do you find- not take a pay cut if you want to go to a winner? If you want that ring, would you not? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can definitely do it, but they got to find the money because, like, there's a lot of guys over the cap. Like, one team is Indy. They need a quarterback, but they have the money to pay him where he's going to make, like Josh said, a bunch of money. But they still got to they gotta find the money, and they're one of the few that are underneath the cap right now. I mean, they'll find the money. If they want him bad enough, they'll find the money, right? No matter what team it is. They'll make it happen. But lots of teams won't make it happen because of it. Yeah. And I think I think to Kev's point, I mean, I'm sure he's made a ton of money in his career. I'm not sure exactly what the figures are, but he's been a premier defensive player for a long time. So you might do like the uh, the Jason Spezza move where he comes back at to his hometown team or wherever he wants to go at a real low cost just because money's not that important maybe anymore. Right. Winning the championship is more important than the money at this point is what I'm yeah. what I'm banking on there. So another news in the NFL, uh, Carson Wentz is circling all kinds of trade rumors. Sounds like we're hearing potentially the Colts and potentially the Bears are the two teams pushing to land Carson Wentz, but neither have offered a first-round pick yet, it sounds like. Yeah, because is he worth it? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see that. He, he's not worth a first-round pick. Right. So I figured that that was going to be the asking price. Were they going to get it? Probably not. We've heard uh, two twos from Indy and it has not been, uh, the trigger hasn't been pulled. So they're obviously Philly is still trying to uh, increase the value and trying to get more out of them. As for the bears, I hope that they don't do anything stupid and trade for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you might get to a Super Bowl though, bud, because you get the two Philly quarterbacks. I mean, that, oh. yeah, only a full six around, right? <laughs> well, you'd likely have to send Foles yeah. back. In, in return, which could be interesting going back to Philly. Who knows? If, the uh, third time Foles has been there. Wouldn't that be crazy? But I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to happen. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see if, if anybody puts up the money or, or picks the, the value for him. I'm sure somebody will, but what's Philly going to accept or what are they just going to roll with and keep him on the bench? So I know one team that's probably definitely not looking at training for him, and that's Jacksonville because they're most likely going to pick Trevor Lawrence with the first overall pick. And we heard that this week that Trevor Lawrence is having surgery on his left shoulder, his non-drawing arm, and he could be out for about five to six months recovering. I'm not sure if we know what the actual uh, surgery is correcting. The problem is, but I guess it doesn't really matter. We're assuming it's going to go well and fix whatever the problem is. And he should be back in time for training camp. So in lieu of the surgery and him going to be out five to six months, uh, he decided to hold his pro day two months early, which I thought was a, was a nice thing to do. I mean, good thing for himself. It's going to show his skills, but at the same time, you might want to have your pro day. I guess you wouldn't have a pro day if you waited, but it would be also good to show them what you can do after your surgery. Uh, anyway, apparently the, uh, the pro day went well from what I saw. He looked pretty good. He had, about 40 snaps, most of them from uh, being under center, not too many in the shotgun. Pretty nice plays and was was uh, seemed to be most impressive uh, in the red zone, which is always a good thing. Um, just making good uh, good decisions and getting the ball out quickly. So uh, there was lots of uh, lots of attendance from the the NFL coaches, uh, 17 different different teams, in fact. So lots of people are interested and at least want to see them, just in case the Jags decide not to take them, which I think would be crazy. Yeah. Even with this news, do we really think there's any chance of that? I don't think so. Not likely. It was a labrum on his shoulder. Yeah, so he should be fine. But yeah, he's, he's going to be number one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And while we're on the topic of Jacksonville, one of their assistant coaches resigned after one day of work. <laughs> so we're talking Chris Doyle. 
he was hired by uh, Urban Meyer. And I guess there was lots of backlash about his previous incidents when he was at the college level, and he lasted a day. Yeah, it's an interesting signing. I was at Ohio. Challenge. Oh, sorry. Iowa. That's what I meant to say. I wrote it in there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to call that a fair challenge. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the eyes roll back and tilts back. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Fine. If you want that, that's fine. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm good with that one, man. That, it's written right in your notes, so... <laughs> so yeah it was iowa that it was happening at where the, where all this uh reported abuse was happening for uh a lot of it saying it was racist and stuff like that too so you know you can't have that stuff in the nfl anymore now for some no not in today's we can't have game. it anywhere <laughs> yeah so, last bit of NFL news we have, the, uh, the Pouncey brothers, Marquise and Mike, have called it quits. They're hanging them up. So, Marquise played his entire career with the Steelers, picked in the first round in 2010. And Mike drafted the next year to the Dolphins, played for both Miami and L.A. Yeah, some good careers from those brothers. Yeah, Marquise has been a staple at the center position for a lot of years. He's been really good and... You know, very helpful to a quarterback when you get a, a superstar center like that helping call out coverages and protections and so on and so forth. So uh, he'll be he'll be missed from uh, from the Steelers standpoint, but good for him to uh, to retire from what I understand semi healthy or as healthy as a football player can be. I don't think uh, I don't think there was any major injuries that that pushed him to to retirement. And obviously, with uh, the timing with his brother, they had obviously talked about it and decided this was the time. And kind of cool to retire with your brother too. Yeah, for sure. And like Josh said, like Marquise was to nine out of 10 Pro Bowls. So he's been there a lot. He's been doing an all pro a couple times. Mike, I believe was the four Pro Bowls. He was also really good. But yeah, Marquise was, I believe, the, the better of the twin. Yeah, 31. That's still pretty young. Eh, make your money. You're Like you said, you're still healthy. Get out what you can and that's what everyone seems to be doing now. Mm-hmm. Luke Cleekley. Yeah. Uh, Megatron did that. Like uh, Andrew Luck. Luck, yeah. I yeah. think Luck and, and um, Cookley, they were more injury prone. So I think they left because of that more so than just being done. Maybe, but that, like they still left at Pro Bowl levels, just like these guys. Absolutely. Like I imagine most of these guys, the decision process has a lot to do with thinking about their long-term health and saying, you know, I got millions and millions in the bank. I had a solid career. Is it worth it to keep going and risk having issues the next 50 years of life? Yeah, guys are making a lot more money now so they can retire earlier. For sure. So, Might as well. It's too bad. Actually, at the end of the last game there for the Steelers, you could see uh, Big Ben go up to him and say that he's sorry for not winning that game and, and you know, to project to not win the Super Bowl because it seems to, to be that we already knew or they already knew that Pouncey was going to retire. So Big Ben was saying, you know, sorry, we couldn't do it for you to get to that Super Bowl and win you one, so, which is uh, puts, puts it into a perspective a little more of why there was such heartache at the end of, uh, end of that game, seeing, you know, Big Ben crying and whatnot. And so maybe it wasn't so much – that Ben's going to be retiring. It was more that Marquise was, was retiring and Ben really wanted to give him that chance at the ring. Right. And plus Marquise was the blame for our, what happened a lot in that game against Cleveland. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. No, he, he, yeah. It was, it was more than one, like the first, the first play of the game that happened. And then I think, uh, I don't know if it was a second series or a series after where he had another ground ball to him, but I'm pretty Our sure. <laughs> <laughs> He said wrong sport, but you meant that Marquise gave Big Ben a ground ball to pick up. Yeah, it was a ground yeah. ball. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> that's what you call those. <laughs> Big Ben's one of the few quarterbacks that aren't ex-baseball players. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of baseball, big news, Andrew Benatendi traded to the KC Royals in a three-team deal. Outfield prospect Khalil Lee went from KC to the Mets. And the Royals send uh, Franchi Gordero to the Red Sox. 
and Josh Winkowski back to Boston as well, or to Boston as well. So that's a decent, decent trade. Casey picking up a solid, solid player in Ben and uh, I think, or at least from what I can tell, Boston taking sort of a risk reward proposition on uh, on Cordero. Sounds like he has lots of potential, but has been somewhat injury prone. And see if he can turn around. Yeah, I, I think I think this is an all right trade. I think Boston uh, and the Mets really come out ahead. Uh, and that's not necessarily a knock at Benintendi. It's just that they just get Benintendi. And if he doesn't perform at the levels that we've seen him perform at in the past, then KC is, you know, they've, they've lost in this trade because the rest of the rest of the trade are all promising young prospects who have years, years to go where Benintendi is in, you know, the, the latter stages, I suppose, of his career. I think that although it's, it, fairly even and it's fairly good for everybody right now if Benintendi does not live up to those expectations this was not a good trade by KC he's not even owned or not even controlled that for that long I think it's only two years this year and and one more so could blow up in KC's face but they get better now do they how much better do they get is the question yeah Josh like I I agree with you like Benintendi has been in decline since 2019. Like mm-hmm. last year he was hurt. I think he had like, he had like just over 100 batting average. And then he just sort of shut down for this year. Uh, 2019, 266. Like he, that was his average in 2019. So it wasn't that good. He, and he was a, he had good averages adding, going into the seasons before. And he finished in uh, second in the AL rookie of the year in 2017 so their royals are hoping that he gets back to the glory that he was more or less and like i i can i can see what you're saying that the other guys are up and comers but the the real one is that khalil lee that met the mets got the outfielder there he's uh he's one of the top guys in the mets uh, pipeline system there and uh i think he might he might be the the guy that actually does the best out of this trade and uh, like I, Royals get cash consideration back too, so there's some. I don't I don't see the number here, but but that's what I I think. Like the, you're hoping that Benintendi gets his shit together, but I it'll be it'll be interesting to see at least because uh, well, sometimes going to a different spot or a new location can definitely bring up you know your youth back in you. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, fresh start helps everywhere for sure, and yep. everything like that. But we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I just love that in baseball, there's always a duffel bag full of cash involved in every trade, it seems like. (laughs) (laughs) That's an easy way to finalize a trade, right? Like, oh, yeah, I thought everything was good. Everything was good, you know, except, you know what? Just throw me 15 million, will you? (laughs) Here's a little extra spending cash for the weekend. Right, and the cash considerations come from Boston, which has money, and, and the Royals do not have money. Yeah. So we talked about him last week. Justin Turner got signed, re-signed with the Dodgers, two-year deal with over uh, for over thirty million. I don't think that's what he really wanted, but when you have the chance to go back to uh, the returning champs and run it back potentially, and they are looking strong to to run it back. Kevin said that maybe you get the hometown deal, but in this case, I don't. I'm not sure if it's his hometown, but he's getting the the re-signing deal back with the old team. So it seems like it's going to be a good fit for for both team and player we'll see how it goes but turner should be his normal self yeah looked like milwaukee was going after him it was about the same price and everything like that i think they're gonna add another year on that but yeah you can see it for sure like la is going buying into winning now mode and like they're clearly the favorites to win it again this year especially now you can still put people on paper i mean they, you never know you never know I don't see LA winning it again. Really? No, I don't see LA winning it again. I mean, who's your bet? You know what? I'll throw it out there. Go Jays. Oh my God. Jays are out there. <laughs> Look what they've done. Look what they've done to sit there and make themselves better. Oh, Kev. I don't, yeah, I don't think they're quite there yet. They're getting there, but I don't think they're quite there yet. Maybe if they made the pitching better, maybe. And then everybody has to live up to potential. They're not there yet. Like like you said, you're, they're not there yet. But you made it. You made a decision. You made a call. 
Kev likes the Jays for the World Series in 2021. Write her down, boys. Write her down. Maybe I should throw a dollar bet, huh? Throw it out there. Oh, we'll just write it down. We'll All keep right, it. it we'll keep it. We'll keep a tracker of hot takes and predictions, so we can look back and say, "Hey, back on Valentine's Day, Kev called this, and he was wrong." Or yeah. <laughs> 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 so, another uh, baseball news: Mets looking uh, to trade for third baseman Chris Bryant. Looks like they're trying to jump in on the uh, winning a pennant right now mode as well uh, in the first year of the Steve Cohen era. Well, why wouldn't you want to try and win a, win a pennant, right? Yep. I think it's uh, – I mean, they got to push hard to get it, but I don't think that the Cubs are super motivated to move them. I don't think they'll have a problem starting the season with Chris Bryant on their roster and then moving him in the you know relative near future – depending on what the Cubbies do. I think, I think, uh, yeah, with what the Mets are trying to do, they want to, they need some more pitching, but they want to get like an infield that is just going to dominate defensively and offensively with getting Frank uh, Lindor, Francis Lindor and uh, Carlos Carrasco at short too. Like they're just trying to get everybody else. Uh, They still have JD Davis there. Now he's not Chris Bryant, obviously, but, they got they got a lot of uh, rotational players too. Is Jonathan Villar like he's he's a pretty good second baseman as well, but they got two shortstops there, two two pretty good shortstops there. So I think one of them would be move, moving over to second base. But we'll see how it goes. I guess they actually now I'm looking at it, they still got Dominic Smith at first base and uh, Brandon Nemo. He's a pretty good outfielder. Yeah, so maybe they might actually be set throughout the whole uh, fielding for uh, the Mets if they get uh, Chris Bryant. It'll be interesting to see what they trade. Fair enough. If they do end up making a move and, and trading for him, do you see them as a, as a powerhouse to compete with the Dodgers? Uh, yeah, I would say they would come close, but I don't think they're in, in LA's stratosphere. Like you also got San Diego who's, who's turning it up pretty good right now too, with all their, uh, they're young players. Absolutely. So that, that'll be the big fight fight in the West, I think. St. Louis, I would say, is the biggest uh, hurdle for the Mets this year with what they're trying to do in the Central. Well, we got good news about spring training and the uh, season opening up, boys. Set to Season set to open up on April 1st. The Jays and the Yankees, first game of the year. How do you like that? Gotta come sooner than you think. So what? Six weeks away, something like that. Yeah, approximately. Yep. I'm pretty excited that the Jays will get national and I guess international American coverage <laughs> first day, opening day, first game of the season. That's awesome. Yeah. So spring training is supposed to start then February 28th. There's going to be a bunch of uh, kind of mismatched things. It's going to be really condensed. Cactus League is going to play 28 games in 30 days, and the Grapefruit League is split up into two groups, East Coast and West Coast, and they'll play 24 games in 30 days pretty interesting uh, the way they're going to do it but as long as they get the spring training games in so this opening day can start april 1st with limited covid exposure and issues get this uh season going i, I can't wait i just kind of hope and be able to go you know once this is all said and done and they come actually come back home i want to go see some games i still think they will i don't know man i think we'll see dj's games in toronto this year hot take I don't think they will, man. Just like the the Raptors, which we'll touch on a little later, deciding that they're going to stay in Toronto or sorry, stay in Tampa for the year. I think once they get settled somewhere, I have a feeling they're going to stay there for the season. Hopefully uh, that will change. Uh, you know, I'm, I hope you're right and I'm wrong. I really do. So that we can go to some games and see some live sports. Yes. Yeah. Well, they're, they're going to have uh, people be able to attend games in Florida there for the Jays. Yeah, but I can't go. I can't I know. go. <laughs> they are going to have people there. <laughs> but they'll still, like, what I was looking at was that there a lot of the MLB teams are going to try and get uh, capacity in there. Well, yeah, I, I think, think you they have said to, yeah. uh, it was going to be 15%. Uh, something is better than nothing, right? On both sides of it, from an economic standpoint and for the fans to be able to see, you know, hey, I was able to go to a game this year. Yeah. Something to do, something awesome to do. It's a lot of fun. Yes. Like, let's hope. Let's hope. 
Okay, moving on to the NHL. It's a trade in the NHL that uh, just happened. Uh, so Ryan Dezingle going to Ottawa in exchange for Alex Galchenyuk and Cedric Paquette uh, going to Carolina. So this is Ryan Dezingle was drafted by Ottawa, I believe, originally. Uh, so he's going back to where he was drafted. To me, he's, he's just sort of a guy. He's, you know, middle six, bottom six kind of forward going back. Galchenyuk and Paquette coming back the other way. Paquette's just a big body, bottom six forward as well. And Galchenyuk is, I think he's on to his like sixth team or something now since he was drafted. He was drafted third overall. And so there's there's potential there. I think Carolina's probably looking at this as a bit of a reclamation project on Galchenyuk. If they can tap into some of the potential that he had back when he was drafted and get him to turn into a bit of a point producer, I think this will be a, a clear win for them in this trade. I agree. I think uh, Carolina definitely got the, the better deal. Yeah. So we'll just have to wait and see what uh, what Galchenyuk may or may not turn into. I think he's only on a one-year deal anyway, so this may just be a short-term experiment. But we'll see what happens. In other news in the NHL, Berkey and Ron Hextall going to Pittsburgh. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. Yeah, so Ron Hextall is the general manager. And uh, Brian Burke is the president of hockey operations. So what I what I understand is how this uh, happened is that the ownership team in Pittsburgh were looking at hiring Ron Hextall as the GM, and they talked to Burke about it and sort of used him as a sounding board. And said, "Hey, what do you think of Ron Hextall? Is this guy going to work out for us? Is he what we need?" And uh, I guess Burke obviously endorsed the decision. Uh, this is while he was at Sportsnet, and then uh, I guess the the ownership group there, Morehouse and Lemieux, said, "Hey, by the way, Berkey, what do what do you think about coming on as well as the president of hockey operations?" And they talked to Hextall, made sure he was okay with that, which he was. And here we go. Burke is back in the in the game. How do you feel about that? I think it's going to be a rebuild. No. Yeah. Not a chance. I mean. If they're saying they're just going in there to get cups, they're going in there to, to win more cups, I don't know. I don't think so. They're going in to sit there and say, how can we get rid of, or sorry, who who can we get rid of to make our team that much better? And, and I mean, I'm sorry, they're the only big two. They're Crosby staying. There's no way Crosby's ever going to leave Pittsburgh. But I can see Latang or even uh, Melkin gone. I would say Melkin first. You, you get more for Melkin, I think, for Latang. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that at least the speculation that I have is that um, Rutherford wanted to do exactly what you're saying, Kev. And ownership said no. And that's why he decided to bounce, take his net and go home. And then Hexall and Burke come in. I'm pretty sure the plan is to not rebuild, at least not yet and to go for it and try and win some more Stanley Cups with this core group. You already had that core group. They haven't done it in the last, what, two years? Well, I know. I mean, a few years at least. And what makes you think with having Hextall or Burke being in there is going to change? Well, they're going to they're gonna do something. They're going to make a trade. They're going to make a big trade. It's going to be Velkin, or sorry, Melkin. I think they're probably going to make some personnel changes. I don't think you're going to see any of the big three go. I don't think so either. I think those those are the guys you've already got them under contract. Whether you know, I'm not sure how long each one is under contract for, but why not make a push for those next two three years, let's say, and try and try and bring back the cup while you have them. If they get to free agency, these guys they're going to command a lot more money and could very well go elsewhere. So this is your opportunity with these three superstars, pat around them like they did before, and off you go. I don't see it happening. That's all. Man, I, I wish I could challenge you, Kev, but that's not a challenge point. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that he's saying that because Hextall was uh, is all about rebuilds with uh, L.A. and the Flyers and everything like that. It's it's just funny that now he's coming in not to do a rebuild, but just to try and go get a cup right now. Jesse, say it. Go ahead, say it, Jesse. It's a, it's a rebuild. <laughs> no, man, I'm just I'm just reading – what he what he does recently i i think i don't see the reason to get rid of them i still think they can possibly get a cup there they like just got to build around them a little bit more 
but uh, it, it, it's interesting that you say it. it's a good, t- uh, it's a interesting take. I think Malkin's going to free up some more picks. That's all. So they can actually, you know, become that champion once again. But if they're only trading Malkin, that's not really a full rebuild. It's just trading Malkin. Well, it, full rebuild is getting rid of Crosby rid of, and, and Latang, nah, right? I, I don't see Crosby leaving, but I do see Malkin and Latang no longer spending the time in, there in Pittsburgh. So when, when do you think that's going to happen? Do you think by the end of 20 calendar year, 2021, they're gone? If they keep, if they keep the team this year by next year, yeah, they're gone. Interesting. Interesting. Right. Make sure you write that one down too. So that's an interesting hot take. Yeah. Just one other note I heard on that. I think one of the first discussions between uh, Mario Lemieux and Ron Hextall was about one time when Hextall knocked, I think, six teeth out of Lemieux. And following through on trying to clear the puck or something, caught him with his stick up high, knocked six teeth out. Apparently, there's no bad blood there. They're, they're good. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, Hexall was one of my favorite goalies. I mean, he never got into his crease or he'll let you know you're too close. Yeah. My favorite Ron Hexall moment was when uh, Felix Potvin beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great fight. That was, was a great, great goalie fight. fight. I don't know if Felix won the fight, but it was damn even that fight. But it was it was a really good fight. It was you, it was. you don't see that, and you probably won't see that very much ever again. No, not not in this NHL. So another NHL news: Line A, like you said, Kev, maybe not the best fit with our good friend Torts. Uh, he was benched earlier this week for the second and full third period of a game. So what I understand is that it's because he, he uh, mouthed off to the assistant coach uh, on the bench and either Torts heard it or was informed about it, whatever, and he didn't play the rest of that game. And afterwards, it sounds like they're all good. At least that's what they're putting out publicly. And uh, Line A even came out and said that he agreed he deserved to be benched in that game. He did. What are your thoughts on that, Kev? I don't like line A. What a little bitch. That's what I, say. <laughs> I believe I did say something in regards that uh, it's not going to be that, that that great of a fit for the both of them. Torch can make line A a very good player. It's just line A's got to fit into that that criteria that Torch puts out to his team. If you're not going to play 110%, you're going to sit. If you're not coming back defensively or doing what you're supposed to do defensively, you're going to sit. I mean, his next game, he played, what, 29 minutes? But I don't think that was ever a question. It was him chirping the, a coach. I actually heard it was off ice. Like, they weren't playing a game. It was, it was an assistant coach, but it was off ice. So, oh, maybe. But either way, I, like, I don't think it had anything to do with him playing, not playing hard or anything like that. I'm pretty sure uh-huh. it was just him chirping off the, the – Coach and Tort said, nah. <laughs> Tortorelli can definitely make him a better player. I think Torch can make any player a better player as long as you're willing to fit into his uh, criteria of uh, what he wants. I still think uh, he doesn't last as long as Line A on that team. You think Torch is going to go before Line A? 100%. Yeah, guaranteed. Torch, nah, I, th- I, I can see that happening too. I mean, did not, uh, didn't the Buffalo player, um, Eichel, Eichel, do that Eichel, to a yeah. fucking coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, they're the ones that are putting the puck in the net, right? Yeah. So, that's right. They, you, the team's kind of got to roll with, uh, with the player at that point. You know, unless, as you said before, Kev, people are cancers, that's a little different story. But this guy doesn't seem to be that way. He just might not like what the coach said to him at that particular moment. Well, he'd probably call him a lazy fuck and he probably was, you know, truthful and he didn't like it. Maybe just funny that we're already talking about this in a negative way, this trade, you know, shortly after we talk about the big trade and what it is, what is it? Episode one to episode four, not yeah. too long of a time. Yeah, called it. Especially after having to wait two weeks to play. <laughs> no, 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 no. You didn't have to. Dubois oh, did. Dubois did. Why okay. I didn't. Sorry. Because America. <laughs> Love it. All right. Now, speaking of putting the puck in the net, uh, the Leafs continue to be top of the league uh, and top of their division, but they've been battling for the top of the division with the Habs over the past week. They played twice. Uh, they split the series. Leafs won 4-2 on Wednesday night, and the Habs won last night 2-1 on Hockey Day in Canada. They play again next Saturday. 
after the Leafs have three tune-up games in between against Ottawa. So unless something hilarious happens there, they should be up three more wins by the time they play again on Saturday. And uh, yeah, so they're up three points now on the division over the Habs. Their Habs are fourth now over on the league. Leafs are first. And this is fun. Playoffs are going to be fun, I think. We might finally see a Leafs-Habs playoff series, and it's going to be awesome. It's nice to see them winning and to be on top of the table for once. Yeah. Hopefully it lasts. Watching last night's, only hope. last night's game, yeah. and uh, the forwards were playing pretty good, but they just could not get that puck in the net. Kept yeah. hitting crossbars and posts, and Price made a couple big saves, but yeah, <laughs> it was pretty That's clear. hockey. Sometimes you just don't sometimes. get the bounce. <laughs> <laughs> you can't win them all, but as long as you uh, keep winning and keep staying – Matthews looked like, in the right direction. Matthews looked like he had a phenomenal game. He just he couldn't he couldn't score there, and and everyone else couldn't and or he got he got the passes to them, but they couldn't score either. Yeah, it's just back and forth constantly. Well, at least they're putting the puck in the net, right? And that's that's a big thing. They're third in the league right now in goals for, so that's a big thing. Put the puck in the net, win games. Right. So let's uh, let's hope that keeps on keeping on. All right. So on to the NBA. We all remember the uh, the lawsuit that has been ongoing between Masai Ujiri and some security guard from the game where they won the 2019 championship. Yeah, won the won the finals. Yeah. <laughs> where you can actually go to bars and watch it. Yeah, yeah. Although I tried to get into bars and it was tough to find anywhere that would have any seating in Toronto. It was fucking people were excited about well, that. Where, where we went, that that bar was like vibrating. That that bar was just absolutely just unreal. Yeah, right, Yosh. Yeah, it was a good time, man. We had a lot of fun. All being capped off with a championship win. I mean, how could you yeah. not enjoy it? I didn't actually go out the night that they won the championship, but the game before that, when they had the chance, we went out that night, and we had to go to like three different places to even get in the door. It was just nuts. Anyway, during that game, right as they won. Uh, Masai Ujiri tried to get onto the court and celebrate with the team. And some security guard uh, with the hero complex decided to stop him and make sure he presented his press pass. And that ended up, I think the security guard initiated it and they got into a little shoving match. And the security guard was like suing Masai for, I don't even remember. 75,000. Yeah, 75,000 for stupidity for damages or whatever. Anyway. Good news this week, that lawsuit was dropped. And I guess as probably part of the negotiation, Masai dropped his counterclaim against that guy. And so this incident, I think, sounds like it's finally behind Masai and the Raptors. And now it's just the championship hanging on the Raptors. Yeah, now Masai can move on to uh, signing or trading some awesome players so we can get back to winning another championship instead of uh, having that little bit of focus on this lawsuit it'd be nice yeah. nice to get back to raptors basketball 100 and get us another championship we can only hope from the video it looked like he was pulling out his pass when he got shoved absolutely yeah. he was. twice yeah. twice he, he got was, shoved. and then yeah well he was pulling it out when he was going up to him and he yeah the uh, guy's a, right at the beginning the guy's <laughs> a fucking donkey he's just trying to get paid yep for fucking nothing it's that guy's a, a donkey yeah, he was saying for uh, lost lost wages, and he was physically abused by Messiah. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was uh, it was a little ridiculous. It was it was a slap suit. It looked like to me, kind of yeah. thing like that. It's just her two hurt egos. That's all it was. I think it was just one. one. Right, go ahead, Josh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so sticking with the wraps, uh, they are going to stay in Tampa for the rest of the season, which I saw coming. It just makes more sense from a safety standpoint. Even the Raptors had said that exactly that, that they're you know trying to be mindful of public safety measures, uh, so on and so forth to, to stay COVID uh, compliant. And it, it'll just be better in the long run for now. Anyway, they do need to get back to Toronto, but for now they'll stay in Tampa. Messiah said that Florida has been very welcoming and they're very grateful to have the hospitality and so on and so forth in Tampa and in uh, Emil Arena or sorry, Amalie Arena. And he also went on to say that they're currently living in a city of champions and they intend to carry on the tradition of winning. 
<laughs> so hopefully that translates well into wins for Toronto. Now they have played considerably better uh, as of late, but it's a long way. I mean, they're in the playoffs now if it were to end today, but it's a considerable road when you got to face those big teams still. Yeah. Unless they make significant changes, they are not winning this year. I, I agree with you there. I don't, I don't want to, but I think I have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, it'd be just nice to see them play well in the, in the playoffs, but maybe, maybe they get out of one round if they get in there. They were, they're almost at 500 against Boston and they, uh, they kind of got beat by Boston's supporting cast rather than their top two guys and Tatum. And sorry, I forget the other guy's name, but. What I saw was they they kept uh, the, the two big guys down, but everyone else decided they were going to play their career games there and just dominated the rest of the Raptors. And the Raptors were playing pretty well too. They they've uh, I think they had like five straight games over 120 points before that game, which was pretty good. They they only had that I think when they had it with uh, uh, Leonard. They only had a, one of those uh, five game runs where they went over 120 when they had Leonard. So last year that didn't happen. So the Raps haven't played at home since February 28th, 2020. So we're coming up to almost exactly a year in uh, about two weeks. And if they end up playing the full season and get into the postseason, they'll have played at least a hundred straight games outside of Toronto, which really sucks for Toronto. Yeah, that sucks. But at least they're playing. And at yeah. least we're trying to get to a championship. And again, at least they're playing. There's been times in 2020 when they didn't. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, the Raps are in sixth place right now, which is pretty good actually. Like considering where they came from. Yeah, they're in eighth. Are they in eighth? Uh, yeah. Should have challenged me. Should have challenged it. When you throw out something like "if I'm not mistaken," just, <laughs> you just feel bad challenging that. I, I don't see how they win a series against any of the big teams in the East, Philly or Milwaukee or Brooklyn even Boston like I just I don't see it with the way the team's built right now well like I said before if they make some moves which I, yeah. I think they make need to make a decision are we in or are we out and make your moves accordingly and hopefully that uh, hopefully that comes a big man yeah so in that same vein Kyle Lowry is potentially on the uh, he's in the trade rumor mill and Andre Drummond as well potentially coming back the other way has been discussed at least in the media you don't know if the teams have actually discussed it. Several other trade rumors in the NBA. John Collins potentially going to Kings, Clippers, or Celtics. Blake Griffin might be available. Sounds like the Celtics, Hornets, and Knicks have interest. Kevin Love, Cavaliers might have interest from the Nets, Clippers, and the Heat. Uh, Al Horford, the Thunder. Some interest from the Grizzlies, Nuggets, and Hornets. And Victor Oladipo with the Rockets. Sounds like there's interest from the next Nuggets, Pelicans, and Mavericks. Yeah, on Kyle Lowry and Andre Drummond, I don't think that that's going to be a swap back and forth. I think, excuse me, what you would see is a guy like Norm Powell, maybe a Boucher, uh, another bench guy, and say a first-round pick go to Cleveland for Andre Drummond. Now, if they're going to do that, then they're likely banking on Kyle sticking around and hopefully uh, re-signing in, in the offseason. Speaking of him resigning, his house is apparently up for sale in Toronto, which is leading to all kind of speculation that he is out after this season or prior to the end of this season in Toronto. So have we seen the last of Kyle Lowry in Toronto, physically in Toronto? You know, it's hard to say. Obviously, we're, the, the Raps aren't playing at home this year, so we might never see Kyle Lowry in a Raptor uniform back in Toronto again. You just lost their heart, man. Heart and soul of the team's just gone. Well, I hope that they make a trade for Andre Drummond. I don't want to lose necessarily Boucher or Powell, but I would trade both of them for Andre Drummond. And that could push them back a little further into competing with those top four teams in the East. Yeah, for sure. It's just my take. This is my hope, I guess, is that they they pull the trigger on an Andre Drummond trade. Yeah, for sure. And I know I know a ton of speculation comes when someone's house is for sale, but that could be that could be any number of things. Hey, he could be looking for a bigger house beside Drake or something, right? Exactly. <laughs> and I think, obviously, with them all down in Florida right now, now just probably is a time that makes sense to sell his house. If, uh, if he's, Move to Florida? Not necessarily. Maybe just sell his house and maybe buy a new one when he can finally come back. Yeah, exactly. Or buy a condo or something that, you know, and it's going to depend on his 
what he wants to do, how long he's even going to play the game for from here yeah. on out, right? So hopefully, as a Raptor fan, hopefully he sticks around. And, I mean, as long as he doesn't play until he's 40 and can't play anymore, I hope he retires a Raptor as playing, not come back for a one-day contract. I want him to finish out as a Raptor. <laughs> yeah, He'll sign a one-day with uh, the 76ers. Why would he do that? Just because he's from his hometown. That's on, right. Man. He's going to go home. No. <laughs> all players go home. No, not all players. No. Well, they, they would like to go home. So, okay. And go ahead, Josh. I was just going to say, I know you guys are really excited that today is Valentine's Day, but there's another reason to be excited, and that's the Daytona 500. Today is the 63rd running of the Daytona 500. It actually started about 45 minutes ago. It'll be interesting to see who wins. I think it's always uh, an exciting race being the first one of the season for the NASCAR, but it's also uh, the 20th anniversary of the death of NASCAR legend, Dale Earnhardt, who died in a crash, well, 20 years ago. So I think the favorite right now, I guess, would be Danny Hamlin. Over the past five years, he's kind of uh, been a Daytona legend in, in himself. He's won three of the last five and has won back-to-back Daytona trophies, I guess. So if he wins today, he'll be the first ever driver to win three races in a row. Three of, of NASCAR's biggest race, so Daytona three times in a row. He'll tie Carl Yarbrough for second place all time with four Daytona wins. And Richard Petty uh, is still in first with seven wins, but he'll, he'll be making ground on Richard Petty. So a couple of things there to watch out when we're, uh, when we're done here uh, recording. I'm probably going to flip it on and have it going on while I'm doing my, uh, well, probably my nap. So I can't lie. I'm probably going to have a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, all the pros do it too. That's right. That's right. But uh, good for NASCAR to get their season going. I imagine that they'll have fans there, but probably not the 18 billion that they have at every, every NASCAR race. So it'll probably just be 1 billion. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see how their, uh, their core fan base fills the stadium there or the seats how much capacity they allow interesting the protocols too just and see it i mean it's outside it is you're right it's outside but like you probably still gotta wear a mask oh yeah. for sure and uh it, it what i've seen of those guys is that they get pretty rowdy too so a lot of beer in them and stuff like yeah, that yeah. it'd be it'd be pretty <laughs> uh funny just to watch the guys in the stands how they act towards that stuff <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the penalty box. So, Jesse, who is in your penalty box this week? All right, the guy in my penalty box is the streaker from the Super Bowl. He placed a bet on himself and told a few friends about this bet. And they he placed a thousand. You can only place a thousand dollars per bet if there was going to be a streaker in the NFL. So he told his friends. So they placed a bunch of bets on it, and then he went streaking through the Super Bowl. And now he, they're all trying to claim their, the winnings. So it was going off 75. Uh, the betting odds was uh, plus 75 for a streaker. So, yeah, $375,000 is their winnings. That's being on held per investigation. So the guy <laughs> betted that there was going to be a streaker, and then he ended up streaking and told a bunch of his friends to bet on it. And so that's why he's in my penalty box because yeah. – you can't get away with that unless you didn't tell anyone you just better yourself. Maybe you could get away with it, but it's, it's pretty, pretty dumb. I think like he, I, I get where he was going with it, but like, yeah, with today's internet and there's a camera, people are going to recognize you. Yeah. <laughs> so, it sounds like he should have been, should have been much more subtle with how he told his friends to bet on him. Uh, streaking. Right. Like, like even it. if you only had one or two people in one, like, 15 or 16 grand, you know, yeah. or a whole lot more yeah. under the radar than that if he didn't. Yeah. And really, he could have made your penalty box just for streaking in the Super Bowl anyway. Yeah. Not sliding down at the touchdown. one. Come, like, on, come on. That's brutal. You got you to gotta dive for that end zone. Yeah. Break that last tackle. Get in there. This is why you didn't make it. You look like a quarterback out there, right? <laughs> Josh, who's in your penalty box? Well, I've been harping on the NBA since we started this podcast, but I'm going to keep going. In my penalty box this week is LeBron James. <laughs> he wasn't in my box last week. Last week was for LeBron. This week, I'm against LeBron. So LeBron and Kyle Kuzma, they both decided that on Friday night, there was a couple instances where they decided that flopping would be the best route to go to try and get a, a foul call. So LeBron's violation came with about two and a half minutes to go in the first half. 
He's positioning between two Grizzly players. Ball is shot from the outside. Everybody kind of goes up for the rebound. LeBron is just kind of standing there, doesn't get the rebound, and decides to throw his arms up and fall over while he was, you know, attempting, quote unquote, attempting to secure the rebound. He didn't really do much. The opposing players just kind of threw their arms up, heads back. Like, are you kidding me? This guy's going to get a foul call. Sure enough, he does. Kyle Kuzma decided he was going to flop with about six and a half minutes to go in the game. Now, this was pretty funny. The The offensive player uh, decided to start driving, made contact with Kuzma's hip. Kuzma spun and basically threw himself on the ground to try and, to try and get this foul call. It was quite an interesting flop. You, you need to see the video. It's clearly blatant that he, that he flopped both of them that were flopping. So this is a rarely enforced rule. But both players have received a, received a warning from the NBA for not flopping. Don't flop. Here's your warning. So the next time they get a $5,000 fine, and it will double for every subsequent fine from there. If you end up reaching six violations, the league can suspend you and, and obviously fine you even more. So this has only been called five times prior to Friday night since 2012-2013 when it was installed in the NBA. Five times. So LeBron and Kyle Kuzma are six and seven. So the last guy to do it was uh, Marcus Smart in the 2020 playoffs for, for flopping there with the Celtics. So they're in my box, LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma, because you can't flop, man. Like we've already said LeBron's a bitch. Like it just, that solidifies the point even more. You can't flop. Yeah. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Kev, tell me who's in your box. I got to go with the uh, protocols in the NHL in regards to COVID. I mean, you're looking at um, a few teams, Jersey, Philadelphia, Buffalo, that I can think offhand that have the most in regards to players that are, that are hurting with it. I don't think the league's doing enough to stop this or prevent this spread. I mean, not just them, but, I mean, what the hell are the players doing? I mean, come on, guys. You, you know you can't be hanging out in hotel rooms together. You know you, can't, you know you can't be going out to your rippers or whatever since you're in America. I mean, come on, let's, let's think about this. Let's do this right. <clears throat> we all want to get back to watching sports and how can we, if they're not doing it. So it's just, let's get better boys. They don't know if you got to create yourselves these bubbles again, like they did in the playoffs, but something's got to get done about this. Stopping games because the players can't be smart. I don't know. That, that's who's on my box. But Kev, just like uh, Miss Ovechkin said, these guys are on the bench together. Why can't they be in a hotel room together? Like, I don't know exactly how, you know, the, the last or latest outbreaks have, have actually started, but I realize you're trying to limit the exposure, but that's a tough one. And all oh, you can't hang out with the guys that you work out with all day, every day with. I just don't like it. I just don't like the fact that there there's still too many, too many teams, too many players, games being stopped. That's the whole big thing with me. Let's get, let's get control. Maybe Charles Barkley was right. Maybe they should get needles. Maybe they should should get their needles first. Yeah, they should get the vaccine before everybody else, except for maybe the healthcare people. So I think realistically, they probably will. And it's probably not that far in the future. The States is doing way better than we are in terms of vaccinating. They're up to something like 30 million people vaccinated now. It won't be long before you see the, the big four sports sort of jumping in front of the line and saying, hey, give us some vaccinations so that we can the entertainment train going and it's going to happen and whether they pay a pile of money for it to happen or if they just use their influence we don't know but i'm pretty sure in the next like call it two months i bet you all the big four sports are going to be getting vaccinated Kevin said like there's been 35 games postponed for COVID 19 for nhl that that's a lot, lot. that's a lot of game and um obviously most of them are or all of them are from the states or was yeah none in the know, north like division the canadian division it's uh it is coming an issue and like i said like you start adding uh, these games up and you keep moving the schedule forward it causes can cause a lot of issues i know everything's shut down right now so it's pretty easy to reschedule games right now because you can't you're not going around concerts or whatever else is going on in those arenas but it's it's causing a big delay it's like especially the Canadian teams, they're getting a lot of games in right now, and a lot of the central and and uh, just all over the place in America, they're just struggling to get all the games in. And you can see the big difference between who's played a lot more compared to America. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it ends. 
Like if if the North Division stays not having any games delayed, which may or may not happen, we don't know. They might finish the season like two or three weeks before the rest of the league. And the playoffs are divisional as well to start the first two rounds. So there might be a scenario where they actually start the playoffs in the North sooner than all the rest. That'd be like basketball. I don't know if they'd actually, do they do that in basketball? Yeah, basketball, when you're finished, you're like everything might start you know, right within a day or two of each other. But if your series is done in four and another series is done in seven, you'll start as long as the, the team you're playing against is also done, you'll start a little earlier. So it is possible. And it yeah. allows you to get that last few days before the finals, a little bit of rest. Yeah. But that's, that, that, that's playoff rounds, right? Like you're talking about ending the season and starting the, the playoffs. So like North division starts the playoffs and the, the American division is still working on finishing. What would it matter? We don't That'll play. Be- That'll be yeah, a first. But it wouldn't matter until, until what, the semifinals? It gives them enough time to go over where they have to. They've enjoyed that bubble, so they can actually get ready for those games. That could be another thing, too, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter until the conference finals because the first two rounds are divisional. So it'll be interesting to see. And uh, following up with that, uh, Peter, who do you got in your box? So my penalty box this week is Mr. Steve Dangle. And I'm a fan of Mr. Steve Dangle. Listen to his podcast, watches YouTube videos. He's a good guy. But so he's in my box because he bit off more than he could chew this week. He uh, took a run at the edge. WWE superstar, Hall of Famer. Um, so I don't know if you guys are up to date on this story. but Wait, wait. There's a WWE <laughs> Hall of Fame? Yeah. Is there? I'm going to challenge, challenge you. I'm challenge you. <laughs> challenge you on that. I don't think there's a WWE Hall of Fame. There is so. Is there? Fuck. Yes, sir. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Yes, sir. They got a lot of people in it. Shit. Well, at least we uh, at least we got a challenge. In we don't have episode. to look that one up, though. That, that's a definitely. You don't have to look that yeah. up. I mean, that, that's a, that's there you a, go. I just saved you guys from getting minus one next week. <laughs> Josh, I, I still think the challenge earlier counts. <laughs> anyway, so how this sort of shook out is the edge was on Tim and Sid doing an interview. And he was wearing a Leafs shirt during his interview, and he had some Leafs paraphernalia behind him. So Sid mentioned that his room looked like Steve Dangle's Blue Room, where he hosts all his videos. He's got all kinds of Leafs memorabilia behind him. And the Edge sort of said that he was taking the role of the biggest Leaf fan. And so Dangle heard that, put together a video calling out the Edge, and put it out on uh, Twitter, YouTube, whatever. And Edge responded with his own video. And he just fed him his lunch. He just he went out to the Edge Nation, and he none of them had heard of Steve Dangle. And he's the champion of nothing. Edge is the champion of all kinds of things. <laughs> if you haven't watched it, it's good stuff. You should uh, check it out. Anyway, it's all in good fun. They're both Leafs fans, and the Edge is actually going on Dangle's podcast as being released tomorrow. So right after you listen to the Points and Penalties podcast, you can check that out as well. And that's it. That's my penalty box. So Points and Penalties scores for today. So Josh, in my opinion, you're even today. You're a minus one and a plus one. But we should talk about it. I concur. I, I think so as well. I misspoke, but all right. Yeah. Boom. Bang. That's a tough one. There, there you go, Josh. You got your <laughs> sure, sure one that you had yes or last week about uh, Chris Davis. Chris Davis, man. Yeah. Chris Davis. How do you know which Chris Davis I was talking That's about? Right. We were talking about the guy that was being <laughs> traded. For... He's never played <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Jesse, you live by the technicality sword. You got to die <sighs> by the technicality sword. I'm going to be watching what you, I'm gonna watch watch what you, you say. Want, I think it's going to be picked apart now. <laughs> all right so peter's plus one jesse's minus one and josh is even and kevin's even right yep for today yeah okay so that brings our season totals to plus two for peter minus one for, for kevin minus one for jesse and minus four for josh i kept telling myself it's okay to be in the basement because only first place matters in this competition it's true and it's going to be a long season. Don't worry. I'm I'm confident that you're going to make some ground back. I hope so. I'm not worried. I'm still going to win, but you know. Oh wow! <laughs> Challenge. <Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> All right, let's go on to how was your drink, starting with Kev. Oh, that pepper shine. I'm telling you, man, it had a great kick to it. I actually got these little bottles here uh, online at the Murphy's Law, or uh, you can actually go to the distillery and get them. It's like one of those variety pack little things. So you got a bunch of airplane bottles. Yes, sir, I did so. Nice. Yeah, and I got uh, this other stuff called Cherry Bomb, which I'll maybe uh, bring it out to the episode five. But yeah, great stuff. Love it. If you've never had it to the listeners, I recommend you go out there and give her a sample. Give her a go. So, Jesse, how was your drink? Uh, the Bone Shaker was pretty good. Another Indian Pale Ale for me. It was, uh, like again, strong. 7.1 again, boys. Got to keep up. Got to <laughs> get that percentage up there. Peter, how was your drink? It was good. It's uh, It's got a strong taste to it, but it's pretty good. Uh, I'm pretty sure I burped about 20 times drinking in this episode, but hopefully no one picked up on that. And uh, yeah, not bad. Josh, how was your drink? Uh, Ransack the Universe wasn't too shabby after all. My first uh, couple of tastes, like I said before, kind of took me back a bit. But as you drink it a little bit more, it becomes uh, better and better and actually want another one <laughs> it's not really a surprise i always want another one yeah, we're just about there but it was very good good stuff so for everyone here at points and penalties thanks for listening give us a like and follow on facebook twitter and instagram at points penalties and until next week stay out of the penalty box 